My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, yet I have not forgotten your statutes. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me. They do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure. They persecute me with falsehood. Help me. They have almost made an end of me on earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your steadfast love, give me life, that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. Those are verses 81 to 88 of Psalm 119, verses 73 to 96 of which are the psalm appointed for today, Wednesday, September the 14th, 2022. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along. We are continuing our look at the book of Job uh, in chapter 42. We're we're coming to, this is the end of the book of Job. We're going to read the last 17 verses of the book together today. Uh, The gospel lesson is John 12, verses 20 to 26, and then in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, verses 16 to 24. So now Job answers the Lord and says, I know that you can do all things. So this is a confession of faith, as it were. I know that you can do all things. There's nothing you cannot do, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. In other words, I know that you can do all things, and and to the extent that you've set yourself to do anything, it can't be stopped. So you have the power to do all things, and you have the power to overcome any obstacle to doing anything you set your mind to. And then he repeats the Lord's question. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? This is exactly what, what the Lord asked of Job. Therefore, I've uttered what I didn't understand, things too wonderful for me, which I didn't know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Again, this is the, he's repeating the words of the Lord. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So what he's saying is, is that, that I had only, what I'm recognizing is I only sort of knew about you from what I had heard before. And now, up close and personal, when you come and question me, I, I see you. I see everything differently now. I see things as they really are because I recognize who you are. And then in the, in the light of that revelation, now I see myself properly and I repent and I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. And it's the same basic kind of an idea that uh, you see expressed in uh, Isaiah 6, that Isaiah is in the temple and he's praying for the Lord and then the, the angels show up. And now suddenly he recognizes, I'm not all that in a bag of chips, you know, <laughs> I'm an unclean man living among a people, an un- of unclean people. And so he recognizes himself once he sees the holiness of God. He no longer thinks of himself in the same way that he did the instant before he saw that revelation. And here Job has, has held himself up as a righteous man who's blameless and who shouldn't have had any of these things happen to him. And now he sees true righteousness, true holiness, and he says, golly, I was wrong in what I thought of myself. But at the same time, the way he knew it was God's eminence. God proclaimed on his transcendence, but he did it by, by his eminent present. And so both those things together combine to be the perfect revelation for Job to see everything. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, he spoke 
said to Eliphaz the Temanite, and, and now there are three of them there, remember. There's El, <coughs> Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, but there was also another one. And he's never mentioned again. And we mentioned that, I mentioned this before, that, that it's only in this, in Elihu's speech, he shows up, lectures the three of them, then lectures Job, and then disappears from the scene. It's almost as though this were, that were a part of the, the text that, that was not original and then was inserted in that place. <clears throat> we don't know that, but it's odd that, that here and every other place in the book, only the three of these guys are named, and then suddenly there's this, in, this piece that speaks of this other person named Elihu, who's the youngest. And I said to you earlier that Eliphaz is probably the eldest, and there, there's two reasons for that. One of those is that he's the first one to speak always whenever there's a cycle of speeches. But the second thing is God addresses him directly here. My anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So whatever Job said about God was the right thing. Now, therefore, take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. There's no temple at this time, and so there, these seven bulls and the seven rams are there for uh, sacrifices to, to establish peace with God because it's what he said to do but it's also before Job so that they can reestablish peace before Job. So there's, a, there's a, a, a pleading for forgiveness of sins before Job, and also they sinned against God because they spoke falsely of God. So they have to do what God commands them to do, but he commands them also to go to Job and to make this sacrifice before him. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I'll accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. So essentially, Job is acting in the role of priest here, because they're making the sacrifice before the Lord based on what he said to do. And now Job is commanded to be the intercessor for them to say, please accept their sacrifice in the same way that a priest would do in that position. But there is no priesthood at the time the book of Job is written. But Job is called here to act as a priest and as an intercessor for his friends. And then ultimately, for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So he's accusing them of sin against himself against God because they spoke wrongly about him. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite went and did what the Lord had told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. So only after he prays for his friends. So it's, it's a requirement for Job to forgive his friends and pray that the Lord would forgive his friends, even though they multiplied his grief in the way that they spoke to him and about him. So he, he had to do something as well. So he might have been acting as a priest, but he was also, it, it was a requirement for Job to pray for them because Job needed to forgive them. So this is all about sin against God. And then Job has got to get rid of that, that the anger and the bitterness that he felt for his friends, and so we know that he did. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate bread with him in his house. And they showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camel, a thousand yoke of oxen, a thousand female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And this is the really odd part. We would expect here to get a listing of Job's uh, 
male sons. But instead, what we get is this. We get, he called the name of the first daughter, Jemima, and the second, Keziah, and the third, Karen Huppuk. And in all the land, there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father gave them an inheritance among the brothers, which is, he didn't have to do that. That would not be typical at all. The, the, the way that a woman would be provided for would be by making a good marriage. But no, here, Job gives an inheritance to his daughters as well. And after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, four generations, and Job died an old man and full of days. And a friend of mine made a good point to me is, is that, that God doubled everything Job had except the number of children that he had because he already had seven more who were with the Lord in heaven. I thought that was a really great point. So anyway, that, that, that's the end of the book of Job. And the problem is we can then make it a principle and say, if we do these things, then God's going to double whatever he's taken away from us as well. <laughs> Let's not make that mistake. It's it's the easy mistake to make because you get something like in, in uh, Matthew 6 when Jesus says, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and uh, and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Well, then, then now you've caused me to seek it in order that I would get those things. The the other things are the things that I really want. It exposes the, the covetousness, I guess, in my heart. And so if you make this a principle, that if you do all these things, then God's going to double what, he, what, what you've lost, then what you've done is, is that, that if you make that your principle, then what you're showing me is the thing that you really desire. Because you're only willing to do this one thing in order that you get these other things. And so what's the most important thing? What, what is the most important thing? And it's not getting those things back. It's nearness, relationship, love of God. In the gospel today it's it's a funny lesson in some ways i always laugh when i read this so now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some greeks so these are these are god fearers these are people who believe in yahweh but they have not taken the step of circumcision in order to align themselves with god's people so they're not jewish but they are greek believers and so they want to come to the festival to see things to learn so these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. They had probably heard about Jesus before, but, but they certainly knew all about him based on the events of Palm Sunday. So here they come, and they ask Philip, we, we'd like to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And what I laugh about is that... You can just see Andrew and Philip coming and saying, hey, there's these Greeks. I mean, they're so excited because they see sort of the nations coming now. It's not just Jews. It's these others. The word has gone out. Now is the time, right? And so they, they, what did they ask? They said, sir, we would see Jesus. And so Andrew and Philip come to Jesus and they say, hey, these Greeks are here and they're asking to see you. Did you hear an answer in the thing that I read? Jesus never says anything about these Greeks. We have no earthly idea whether they met Jesus or not. He's talking about the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, and it's because he's drawing all people to himself. So God's doing the work, and now it's time to lift up the Son of Man. He has to be lifted up. And then Jesus speaks about the grain of wheat falling in the ground and dying. Whoever loves his life loses it. 
all this stuff, and then it becomes like, I'm not sure what he's talking about here. In the situation, it would have been very difficult for Andrew and Philip to figure out what in the world Jesus was talking about. Did he answer our question there? I'm not really sure that he did. I'm not really sure what to make of anything that he just said. What is he talking about dying for? No, 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 no. They want to make you king. (laughs) You misunderstood your role here. You're supposed to step into this new thing. You're supposed to be the king. It's it, You're right. The hour has come to be glorified. I agree with you. We both do. But this whole dying thing, man, that just doesn't make any sense to me. What do you mean about hating your life and loving your life? You lose it? If you hate it, you get eternal life? I'm really confused here. You're the one who gave me this life. I thought I was supposed to enjoy this life. I thought it was supposed to be a meaningful thing. Not something that I'm supposed to hate. And Jesus, his his response is is definitely not to say to hate this life and despise this life because it is a gift. But it can't be the be-all, end-all. We have to recognize that there is a greater reward for us and there is a greater life that awaits for us. And so when to despise it or hate this life is not to say, I wish it were over tomorrow. That's not what it means. It means don't set that as the summum bonum, the highest good. Don't set the pleasures of this life in that way. No, we have to renounce all that stuff in order to walk with him. We have to renounce it in light of the great riches that he promises us. So it can't be the be-all, end-all. It can't be the most important thing. What we have to do is is to, to love his kingdom first. This is a constant message that Jesus gives. In the, and Paul was a guy who, who obviously completely got that. He really didn't care. All he cared about was growing the kingdom of God, seeing the kingdom expand, seeing new people come to know Jesus and love Jesus and receive eternal life and, and didn't really care what happened to him. So he gives us the model, and so does Jesus, obviously, for what it means to despise this life. Jesus embraced it by taking it on, but, but he set the service of God above the service of self. So here Paul, Luke tells us, as we were going to the place of prayer, remember Luke is with Paul at this point, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So they would continually, it seems, go to this place of prayer. And the reason I'm, I'm saying that is because it says she did this for many days. She followed Paul and us, crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. So the Most High God would be the one who sits above all the other gods in the Greek and Roman systems of mythology and the gods. This is the most high God, and he's proclaiming to you the way of, they're proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Well, it would be curious to know what people heard that, thought that it meant, the, the way of salvation. Salvation from what? So she's saying this under the spirit of divination, and, and if, if you look back to like Pentecost, actually, I think it's Pentecost that I talked about this very thing, about the spirit of divination, or it was right around that time on a Sunday. Um, it, what, what's happening here is, is it's the wrong spirit. So Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out of her that very hour. <coughs> so, But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. So th- th- what they've done is they, they were making money off this girl from a spirit of divination. It was not a spirit from God. It was a spirit from uh, another God 
that that was there, which would mean that it's if it's not God and it pretends to be God, that means it would be a roughly demonic spirit because it's not of God, but it's pretending to be. And so she's gotten true revelation about what they're saying. But the problem is, is that it's coming from the wrong spirit. And so she's actually oppressed while the owners are making money off of her. And so they're encouraging her to, to live out of this demonic spirit that she has. And so Paul is annoyed by this. In the same way that Jesus would not allow the demons to speak here, Paul does the same thing and casts out this demon. He just commands it in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. He didn't deal with it and say, hey, what's your name? Because I need to know your name. If I know your name, then I have control over you and all that. No, 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 no. In the name of Jesus, that's all I need, the name of Jesus. And then I just command this thing to come out. I'm not arguing with it, wrestling with it or whatever. And that's the way we need to deal with this. But when the owners saw their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. Really? That's the reason you dragged them before the magistrates? I don't think so. I think it's because you lost money on the deal. It's the same thing that happens at Ephesus with the silver silver people that make um, idols. Nope, it's infringing on our commerce. But you've got to have a bigger, higher principle in that to get the public stirred up and say, well, that's, that's your problem. No, 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 you've got to make it my problem. And so, hey, they're, they're, we're Romans here. We're far superior to these Jews who are here. They're not making a distinction between Paul as a Christian and Paul as a Jew. They're not making that distinction at all. And so, again, it seems that there are not men, Jews, in the city, not at, le- at least not 10 of them, because they have to identify them as Jews, and, and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. Well, what are those? I don't know. They're just Jews, and I know the Jews do that. So there you go. They, they don't specify anything completely because they can't, because that's not the issue anyway. The crowd joined in attacking them because they made it a, a point of civic pride rather than their commercial enterprise being wrecked. So the crowd joined in in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods based on what? It makes no sense. But but you whip a mob into action, and you get nonsensical action out of that mob and out of anybody who's in charge. I don't know what to do, so let's just beat them. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely so that they could be tried the next day. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So in other words, I'm going to put you in the center of the prison, and I'm going to fasten your feet in the stocks so that you can't get out. There's going to be guards all around. You've got to come, when you come out of the center, then, then you're going to be in a place where, where the guards are. But you ain't going to get there anyway because I put your feet in the stocks. But, but Paul doesn't care, as we're going to see tomorrow. He, he doesn't care about his life at all. But he doesn't hate his life. He sees his life as something of value to the extent that he's proclaiming the gospel. And he's, he's advancing the kingdom. That's all that matters to Paul. And that's actually kind of the call we're all called to do. Whatever else we do in our lives, our primary obligation needs to be to sharing the gospel. Suzanne and I were, were hiking yesterday, actually, and we were out. And we ran into this guy that was in uh, the Smoky Mountains in, in the park there. And, and what's odd about that is this guy had a couple of dogs with him. Well, you can't have dogs in the park. He could, 
though, because we stopped and talked for a minute about these dogs primarily, and they were they they were bred and they exist largely to hunt, and they hunt hogs particularly boar, wild boar. But that day he'd been hunting bear, but not so that he could kill the bear. The Smoky Mountain National Park hired him to to chase the bears out of the campgrounds in order that the campgrounds would be safer, and so. He was telling us about the process and what they'd done and how many dogs that he had with him and how far they got away from him. And so he never saw the bear because they treated a couple of times. But it was it was like a mile away from where he was. And now he was collecting his dogs. And so we just saw the two of them there. And, and but but as we talked about that, finally, after maybe five minutes of just chit chat, he looked and said, I need to ask you all something. I need to encourage you. If you're Christians in your walk for the Lord, and if you're not Christians, I need to encourage you and speak to you and share the gospel with you because it's important. This is a random guy we met out in the middle of the woods, but he got it completely right. Yep, we can chit chat, but at the end of the day, I have to confront you with the gospel and your need for the gospel or encourage you in your faith in him. He got it. And we had a wonderful, just maybe 10 minutes tops hanging out there in the woods, talking to this guy about Jesus and all that he's done for us and the joy that we have in knowing him. And so in the middle of nowhere, um, we meet this brother because he has these two dogs in a place where he's not supposed to have dogs. And we happen to be there at exactly the right time that we could have this glorious conversation between brothers and sisters. And it was a wonderful thing. That's what it means to despise yourself in the way that Jesus says, to make sure that the most important thing that you have to offer and the most important thing in your life is the gospel.